And welcome back, spooky people, to the new episode of That Spooky Life Podcast. I am your host, Miranda, and I am pleased that you have joined us this week on our weekly slide into the in-between. I have some lovely, interesting stories for you guys this week about, you guessed it, ghosts. So jumping right in today, I want to give a little bit of background. I know I've spoken about my my wonderful grandmother before. I feel like there's a lot more to know about her and it's kind of important to this particular story. So I'm going to give just a touch of her history as succinctly as I possibly can. Uh, My grandma Edith was born in 1919 in Tennessee and she was like the third oldest. Uh, She went to college at 16 to become a teacher and was the first member of her immediate family to go to college and was teaching in the area in which they lived by the time she was 19. Uh, My whole life, my grandma was a teacher, uh, mostly part-time substitute by the time my siblings and I came along. And when my mom decided to homeschool us, uh, grandma was a huge part of that too. While I'm not a religious person in the classical sense, there was a truth about my grandmother that is still known to this day. Uh, that she had the red phone to Jesus himself, like she had his personal cell phone number, or at least that's what a few of her church-going friends used to say. Uh, If you needed prayers, you called Edith, and she'd call everyone for the prayer list and the pastor and then Jesus himself to make sure that the request went through. Uh, Sadly, she passed away unexpectedly in the car accident I've shared on the podcast before, but my mom and I will often joke that as soon as she got to heaven, She started taking names and organizing everything to tighten up ship and make things more efficient, basically. You know, I I have felt her watching over me and my family at different times in my life. I have my ancestor altar in which she is always prominently displayed. But there was one time specifically that I can remember very vividly. And I know a few of you who are listening that knew her will find this very amusing and in character. One of the few times in my life that I have no doubt that my grandmother was present since the day she passed. One more detail is that for my first Valentine's Day before I was a year old, I was born in June, so the February before I turned one, she made me a little heart pillow that became basically my my whoobie. Um, I am 35 and it is still a, uh, a fixture on my bed prominently displayed when the bed is made. Uh, It is not nearly, it does not look like what it used to, but patches and love over the years, uh, it's still here. So the house in which I live currently, I moved into a few years ago and within the first few months could not keep the curious or pushy spirits out. It just hadn't been enough time to build up the energy and get protections and wards and things solidly in place for the new house. And we had just moved. We had moved two cities over, basically, and it had been a very sort of have to get it done in a very short amount of time move. I was tired. I was tired for days. Pardon me. I was tired for weeks, to be perfectly honest. And so being a medium to whom the spirits flock with all of their many messages, they saw an opening and an opportunity because they could get through, they could, you know, make their presence known. And I was having a hard time sleeping. So on top of being physically exhausted, I wasn't getting the proper sleep that I needed. And it just took a really long time to get everything in place. 
So for the most part, I could keep things out of the house and they would just sort of loom with the windows and whatnot. But unfortunately, one evening I'm getting ready for bed. My husband is already asleep and I turn out the lights to pass out. And I just start to get to that, like, well, honestly, get to that in-between state because in-betweens, in-betweens are always going to give you more of a peek into the spirit world because you're between doorways, being somewhere between asleep and awake, all that kind of stuff. I had started to fall asleep and it gets really, really hot in my room. I'm like, it's July. Why is the air conditioning not on? And it gets so hot in my room that it kicks the air conditioning on. I'm like, that's odd. So I think maybe my husband has rolled over, though I didn't feel him move. Turn over, no, he hasn't moved. And it gets to the point that I'm sweating and I'm like, what the hell? And then I notice this spirit standing in the doorway to my bedroom. It took me a couple of minutes to discern this. Not the spirit itself, but the fact that the spirit was projecting. What the spirit was projecting, so what I first saw, was the image of this half-rotten face, half-normal face of some Victorian lady just wreathed in fire and straight out of Silent Hill or something. But like, when I say straight out of Silent Hill, it literally looked like the strange, zealoted character from the Silent Hill movie. It wasn't exact, but it was real close. And there's flames looking up around her and she's floating disapprovingly in my room, but can't seem to really get closer. And I'm sitting here looking at this going, this is an image that is actively trying to scare me. Something's not right here. So basically from the get go, I had an inkling that this was just a protection and not actually what this spirit looked like. It was actively trying to scare me. It was angry and it wanted me to be afraid so that I would do what it wanted to do because apparently whoever this spirit had been in life was used to controlling people through fear. And this is over the course of probably five minutes as I'm sitting here staring, trying to discern these things and understand my impressions that I'm picking up on. So the actual ghost is trying to scare me to get my attention and be demanding that I pay attention and do what I want it to do. And well, I don't take kindly to bullies in any form or fashion, be them dead or alive. And I learned that from many awesome women in my life, my grandmother included. So when I realized that it was attempting to manipulate me specifically through fear, I told it to go away. I was like, no, we don't reward this behavior. You need to go away. And if you can be nice tomorrow, then I will consider letting you say whatever you were wanting to say. But I have to be up for work and I don't appreciate this projection, this attempted manipulation. Like, I don't appreciate this. So you're either going to respect me in the morning or we're not doing this. Well, needless to say, it was a female spirit. I knew that it wasn't just like somebody projecting this woman. It was it was a female spirit. They were very angry and they wanted me to tell their loved ones, how disappointed and how angry and blah, 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 that they were. And she was like, 
there were no words to it. It was only impressions, but it was basically, you don't tell me what to do. I am here. You're going to do what I say because blah, 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 blah. That it was very, that indignant Southern lady who's used to being the matriarch and in charge giving the young younger woman orders because I was the one who could deliver her message and her message was more important than anything I had to say. So when I told her to basically get the fuck up out of my house, this of course just made her more angry. And I didn't have the energy or the widgets to basically push her out of the house. I tried. Uh, I tried real hard. And after like 30 minutes of trying, basically the best I got was her down the hallway a little bit. And then she would come right back. Well, my whoopee, the the little heart pillow, had been sort of my Steven Universe shield as a kid. In that if I was having nightmares or there was something messing with me that was unseen, etc., I would either hide my face behind or tuck my little heart pillow around my neck and I would be like, no, you, no, nothing can touch me now. So after like 30 minutes of me trying and just getting more and more tired as this spirit got pushier and pushier and wouldn't let me sleep after I decided to just try and ignore it, I said out loud, fine, we'll do this old school. I pulled out my little heart pillow made by my grandmother, tucked it next to my face like I, I used to and added aloud, Edith says no. I should mention as an aside, my grandmother had the weird way of like anytime I was afraid of ghosts as a kid or having a nightmare or something, she'd just say, no, there's nothing to fear. It's okay. And then it just was okay. Like as if her will, I don't, I don't think she necessarily believed in ghosts, but I'm also not entirely certain that she didn't. Because she 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 had a very strong faith, and therefore, if it was you know God's will or what, like she believed in angels, so she believed in unseen things. So I'm not entirely sure she didn't, but we never talked about it because I was very young when she passed away, so it wasn't a proper conversation to have, and I'm not sure she ever would have had the conversation with me. But I know she believed in things that couldn't be seen and powers beyond our reckoning, as it were. And so at times when she was like, it's okay, there's nothing to be afraid of, then there just suddenly wasn't. And as a medium being able to see things, like things would be pushed away from her as if her declaration was just, nope, not today, Satan. Like it was crazy. So that's why I attacked on there that Edith says no. So while I'm expecting to just have that ghost flailing in my doorway all evening and just be soothed by the pillow and the fact that I had decided I was not dealing with this tonight, so we would not be dealing with it tonight. You know, ignoring it via whoopee powers. Uh, The air in the room changes from, and it had gotten more increasingly hot. Even though the air conditioner was blowing, it was hot, like me sweating hot, and I'm just wearing like running shorts and a tank top. There's no reason for me to be hot on top of the blankets. And like, as soon as I roll over, It changes from hot to cooler, but it was still charged. Like the air was very energetic and charged and all the hair on my arms and neck stands up and I sit up in time to smell my grandmother's perfume, which was heaven scent. 
I think it was an Avon scent. I don't remember, but it's heaven scent. And I actually have a couple of little perfume bottles with it. I smelled it so strongly, so strongly. And I feel like she just walked in the room as I felt the angry ghost pushed out of the entire house. And I look up and I sort of see my grandmother. I see her back in my doorway with her arms crossed, facing the ghost that had just been pushed out. I was awake for this the whole time, too. This was not like, oh, I had fallen asleep and there was a drip. This was all very tangible, very physical, as physical as I am talking to you now. So, despite nothing actually physical happening other than the, the charged energy, the feelings were so very real. And I was confused for a moment until I figured out what happened. And I know for a fact that my mind didn't make it up and I was just an observer. When the angry ghost was pushed from the house, my my husband, who was just a stone next to me, like he was asleep and snoring and he stirred. Like the minute it happened, the minute the spirit was outside the house, it was like he shuddered. My cat leapt to hide in the closet and my dog started growling all at the same time. So like there was a physical reaction from every living creature in the house. After that, the angry ghost could not come in my house anymore. Uh, It fumed and flailed on my porch for a couple of weeks. And it would glare in windows and, like, try to, you know, bother me when I would step outside to do something. And I would just ignore it because it was continuing to be a bully. It was continuing to, you know, try and get me. And the thing is, is it's not like, oh, I was murdered. I need you to pass on a message. No. It wanted me to pass on to its descendants that it was disappointed and angry with them. Like, you're dead. They have probably found closure and solace and moved on best they can. They don't need to know that you disapprove from the grave. That's just rude. I'm not passing that on and get out of my face. Like, if you had asked nicely, I might have considered it. Maybe. But, like, you didn't even ask nicely. You're just rude. So, after a few weeks, it finally gave up of being ignored and just not, like, it was just glaring in the window from the porch and then just finally gave up and went away. Ever since then, I know that my, I know for sure that my grandma's been around the house because that's when I set up my ancestor altar. I was like, I'm going to get you some of your perfume. I would like to help keep things out this house. Let's do this. And she checks in from time to time. And I know she checks in on my other siblings and my mom. And I have not really had much of a problem with ghostly invaders inside my home since. So thank you to my wonderful grandmother. And that is my spooky story for the week. So our listener submitted story comes again today from author Diana Brock. Very excited to read this to you guys, and I super love the title that she gave it. Now, this is a personal experience of hers, not one in one of her books. This is something that she experienced over a a period of time that I, when she told me, it was just phenomenal. The name is Paranormal Photobomb, and Diana writes, In 2009, near the end of the year, I had received my first publishing contract through Publish America, LLC. This is a horror story in its own right, but that is for another time and another writing project. My first novel, The Story of Michelle Brown Vanderveer, was making its way through the publishing process. 
In the story, I'd featured the town of Adairsville, Georgia, the place I'd called my home since 1995. By this time, I had embraced the history, spending many days at the small history museum in the old train depot of Town Square. I enjoyed my conversations and all of the knowledge that the curator, Jerry, had to offer. Sitting atop a huge hill on the corner of Summer Street and Main is one of the oldest homes in Adairsville, which, at the time, housed the Dudley Barton Funeral Home. I was on a mission to gain support from my hometown, and I loved the historical house. I contacted the funeral home and asked for permission to photograph the building to use on my book cover, and they graciously agreed. While working to schedule a time to take my photographs near dusk, they assured me that the funeral home didn't have any visitations or funerals scheduled for that evening, so it would be a perfect time to go as it would be empty. I waited until dusk that evening and made the short walk from my home on Sparks Street, down the road and up the hill to the funeral home. Just as promised, there were no cars in the parking lot, and all of the lights inside the home were off. I was thrilled and began moving around between the front and the right side of the structure, snapping pictures at different angles as to provide some variety to the artist that would be designing my book cover. I stayed for almost an hour and took about 30 shots of the house with and without flash and even turned on my night vision mode for a few shots near the end of my visit. Finally, I called in a night and returned home. After cleaning up the mess from dinner and assuring my three children were bathed and fast asleep, I decided to sit down and import the photos of the funeral home on my laptop onto my laptop so that I could get a better look and choose the best ones to submit to my publishing company. All of my photos from the right side of the funeral home didn't satisfy the vision I had in mind, so I moved on to the photos from the front. After looking through those shots, I decided they were definitely better and the shrubbery and cedar tree hid the seating area on the massive porch. The seating area was a great idea for the business that the building housed, but not so much for a book cover for a horror suspense thriller. I began to zoom in slightly on the house, mainly to remove some of the parking lot that was visible in each of the shots. I wanted more of a home photo rather than a business photo. As I went through the pictures, I noticed someone was standing in the doorway on the upstairs balcony. Suddenly, I was agitated. I was assured no one would be in the funeral home that evening, but there was a man dressed in a suit hanging out upstairs. Just great, I complained to myself as I retrieved my cell phone and called the number for my contact at the funeral home. I informed her that I had been there to take my pictures, but that someone had been upstairs in the funeral home. The woman I spoke with told me that was impossible because the funeral home had been locked up since around 4 p.m., and no one should have been there. I assured her someone was there, and I had the pictures of them. The lady told me thank you for letting her know, and I was more than welcome to come back again the following night, and she would definitely be looking into the matter. After ending my phone call, I turned my attention back to the photos. I looked closer and realized that something didn't seem quite right about the person in the pictures. I zoomed in more and noticed that aside from an outline of the suit, the obvious masculine build and the darkness that could only be the hair, 
no other features were clear. I could not see the face enough to tell an age of the person. I then began to play around with contrast of the photos, thinking that something else may have cast a shadow or any other logical explanation. Then I noticed something even more chilling. Sitting on the porch of the building, I saw two men and one woman. I just got goosebumps on my arms. They appeared translucent, not solid. More like a shadow, really, but they were dressed like they were from the late late 1800s, early 1900s. As I continued looking through the pictures, what surprised me the most was that of the man who looked as though he'd been standing in front of me, holding up his hand as if to say, no, or stop. The next day, the woman from the funeral home called me and asked to see the pictures. She informed me that the funeral home had been searched from top to bottom, and there was no sign that anyone had been there. I agreed to save the pictures to a disc and would drop it off later that day. When I arrived home later that day, the lady called me and informed me that I wasn't crazy. She could also see the spirits in the pictures, and that validation was awesome for me. About a month later, I received my hard copies of my novel. I paid a visit to Jerry at the local museum to deliver and donate a copy of my book. As always, we discussed the history of Adairsville and the Dudley Barton Funeral Home came up in the conversation as it was the inspiration for the cover. I informed her about the ghost that had photobombed my shoot and she proceeded to show me old pictures from when the home was first built. Much to my surprise, I saw the man who had tried to stop me from taking the pictures. He was a Hispanic caretaker for the home. I told Jerry about my pictures and that I and what I had captured at the funeral home and pulled up the photos on my MySpace account. Author's note. Now, I will close with this fun little fact. I wanted to add this story to my collection of short stories that will be released in mid-November. I have written this story by hand three times, losing a copy each time before I could type it up. I haven't interacted with the spirits of the funeral home since moving away but it became quite obvious to me that they would appreciate their privacy protected. Once I said that I would not include this story in my book, my rough draft, the one with less detail, came back to me. I will keep my word and not include this story in my book, as much as I want to, but I decided that I would share with Miranda for the podcast, and I believe I do so with approval as my handwritten copy didn't disappear after voicing my intentions and leaving it unattended to step out for a cigarette break. So, if you have heard this story or managed to read it through the official copyright process, then congratulations, you're part of a select group. I love that story. It's so good. And the fact that later you basically got to see a picture of the living version of the man that you saw in your pictures, that's just super cool. Obviously, I'm going to try and make sure I have a copy of at least the pictures or permission to post them with the uh, the Instagram post for this episode so that you guys can see them. Um, it's pretty crazy. Like, it, it's pretty crazy. And uh, the fact that the lady at the funeral home was also like, no, there's just a person standing there. I see exactly what you're seeing. And then you go to the History Museum to find a living picture of the gentleman and his family. Like, that's insane. That's so cool. Like, I don't even have words. That's just really neat. It's always nice to have validation like that. So, 
thank you for sharing your story, Diana. And I hope that uh, we have done it justice so that the spirits who have previously wished their privacy to be protected um, appreciate their uh, sharing with the world, basically. So that is our listener story for this week. So our witchy tip for this week is actually one that has sort of a timely relevance. You guys will be listening to this on the 10th of January. And tomorrow on the 11th is going to be a full moon. So my witchy tip for today is full moon water. What is full moon water? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Water that is charged by a moon full moon or a super moon. Duh, right? Like, obviously, it has something to do with the moon and water. Okay, so why use it? Well, being charged with the energies of a full moon or otherwise is believed to help magnify power and amplify intent or clarity and purity, but in like a magic-y sort of way. If you want super purification and just burn it down and salt the earth, make some sun water. You can make it in the same way, just during the day. Different phases of the moons are representative of different stages, obviously. Uh, The new moon is the hidden moon, when Luna's eye is turned away. So starting projects, planting seeds for things going forward, getting rid of things that you don't want, banishment, things like that. Stages of the waxing moon, waxing crescent, uh, waxing half, waxing gibbous, all of that are made for building things, uh, putting energy into things, waxing waxing crescent, starting your project, uh, half moon, you know, making sure that you are, are doing things actively and putting in the work to achieve these goals, be they physical or, or just mental accomplishments, things like that. Waxing gibbous is a time to sit back, meditate on all the work that you've done, shown how you are proving your intent to achieve this thing, and continue forward. And then the full moon is supposed to be the culmination of those efforts and the realization of these goals and dreams and things like that. Um, And then the waning moon, waning gibbous, waning half, waning crescent, is where you taper off things that you don't want, you know, you, that maybe that's when you start your diet, you, you taper off things that you don't want to eat anymore, or you start making sure that you remove certain words from your vocabulary or whatever thing you're winding down, whatever thing you're wanting to remove from your life you do during the waning time of the moon cycle. And then by the new moon, that's when you banish things that you don't want. You complete whatever you were tapering off and you start sowing the seeds for your next project for the next cycle. Now, obviously, doing that on a monthly basis is a personal practice that you can or cannot. And sometimes it's, you know, setting a six-month goal or setting a year goal. And you'd be like, the first full moon of December, I will have this thing done. Things like that. It doesn't have to be just the monthly cycle, but it's, you know, sometimes good to pay attention to those things. So you can make different kinds of moon water, but typically the ones that you're going to hear about are new moon, full moon, and super moon. So there's moon water and there's sun water. And how do you make it? So I found these set of steps and I had to share because it's a little too complicated. Like it's a little overly complicated in my opinion. But steps from an article on wellandgood.com. One, choose a container that's reflective of the intentions you want to set. Okay. Two, 
Surround your container with crystals that will charge the water with specific energies. Not necessary, but helpful. 3. Cover your moon water container. 4. Place the jar where it can absorb moonlight. 5. In the morning, retrieve your charged moon water and use it however you see fit. Cool. Basically, that's just a very elaborate and somewhat bougie way of saying get some distilled or spring water in a container that seals, set in moonlight overnight, collect in morning, profit. Like, if you're planning on drinking it, obviously use, you know, drinking water, like spring water, distilled water, or something like that. Um, you don't want to just be chugging any old water, but put it in a container that seals because you don't want to get bugs in it. Let it sit in the moonlight or the sunlight for, I guess, 8 to 10 to 12 hours and then use it for whatever you intend. Uh, example, the full moon is a time of manifestation. It will magnify things, hence where the idea of lunacy comes from. If you harness it correctly, it can be a time of great power each month. When using the full moon water you've created, it's important in my experience and my research to think positively things about yourself, about others, and specifically thinking positively about manifesting your goals. It can also help boost spells that call for water. So if you're making like a rose water or some other kind of, you know, tonic or potion or doing a foot wash or a ritual bath of some kind, being added to that can boost whatever it is you're trying to do particularly if you're trying to think about how awesome it is that you're doing your awesome goals and achieving and checking things off the list. But much like metal, such as a ring or a pin, like something made of metal will get warm in warm water or cool in cold water, the full moon energies and therefore the full moon water is a conductor or an amplifier, not necessarily a unique source. It is a source of energy because it's obviously charged with the powers of the moon, but it's more like a neutral energy and you tell it what to do with your intent kind of thing. It's important to meditate and clear your mind of negative thoughts before working with it, or the negative thoughts might be magnified as well, which is something that you would like to avoid when magnifying and giving power to things. So, I'm not saying, oh, be be super cautious. It's full moon water is a dangerous thing to use. No, it's no more dangerous than like when you learn how to use a knife. Yes, it can be harmful, but most of the time you're just cutting a slice of, you know, you're just cutting bread or, you know, slicing cheese or something like that. Once you learn how to use it, the danger factor goes down quite significantly. But don't necessarily just dive in and see what happens. Make sure that you have some decent preparation and you're aware of what you're doing. However, since the full moon is tomorrow, I encourage everybody to maybe look at take, giving it a shot. Maybe just a small little jar, see what it can do for you, for your meditations, and you know, take a sip here and there. Don't chug it. You want to use it more than once. But um, if you're if you're curious about things like that, to see what kind of a an impact it may have in your life, despite the cautionary tales of getting into some really heavy work and will working and things like that. Uh, I would I would recommend charging up some moon water and uh, see what it can do for your perspective and a, a positive thought to it. 
So that is my witchy tip for this week. I would like to thank uh, everybody who has submitted stories and give you guys a heads up. I posted on social media this week that upcoming, I would like to do a Q&A episode with you guys where you guys submit questions and I will read your questions and answer them on air. Usually after one of the episodes posts, I get one or two or more questions about certain aspects of something that I talked about or wanting to know more about something that I talked about, etc. And because you guys are awesome and you listen and you guys are engaged and wonderful folks who I adore, you know, riding this little train in the in-between with, I want to give you guys all a shout out. And if you have a question, read it and answer it for you right on air. So please feel free to hit me up on social media. There's a post about it that says Q&A time. Feel free to leave a question in the comments, or you can send your questions to thatspookylifepodcast at gmail.com, along with any paranormal stories that you would like me to share on other episodes going forward. I can never have enough of your wonderful spooky stories. I love them, and I love reading them, and I'm glad you guys love listening to them. So, feel free to send any stories or questions, and that's going to wrap us up for this week. Thank you for joining me, and I hope that you guys have a wonderful full moon and a wonderful week until we speak again. And until then, keep living that spooky life. Bye!